Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Like you, Jonah, who's a music person and also a mental health counselor. And you, Vanessa, who is an actress, comedian, and I think you even wrote a children's book. Wow. I sure did. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it. That's really it. And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) As a high school student. Plus, legendary sisters Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. You would pull the bag out and then we would eat the eat all the leftover the leftover chocolate chips which was a lot then you'd roll the oh, barrel up so to fun. up the hill and then one of us would get inside the barrel and they'd push you down and we've also had an amazing guest like mike the miz jason isbell carrie brownstein and corin tucker of slater kinney and many more and you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like change.dork <laughs> change.dork and congratulations you played yourself Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I want to say hello to all of you, and I've never had a housewife on until Jill Zarin, and I did that because there was a, it was just a reuniting and it was for a very specific reason, but my show mm-hmm. is not typically about housewives. And the guest that's here today, mm-hmm. I have been thinking about having on this podcast probably since the beginning. I keep saying to myself, I want to do this. Should I do this? Is this right? <laughs> and it's not that I don't think she'd be great for the show. It's that I only want to have someone on if there's something really to discuss, if there's yeah. just, if it's coming out of me. So today our guest is Nene Leakes. Oh, do I hear a round of an applause? <laughs> Amazing. Um, I am here, girl. You are here. I and am so here. We're in Connecticut. Yes, we are. Uh, you and I talked a couple of times. Yes. You sounded very different than I've ever heard you. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I wanted to say just overall is, are you okay? Um... I'm better. How about that? I'm better. Uh, there was a time when I wasn't okay, but I am better now. 
And uh, I know that I'm going to be okay. So you're in a transitional state. I think so. I think so. Uh, I'm in my head a lot. I don't even know if you know what that means, but sometimes I'm like really in my head. I've never been an overthinker, Mm -hmm. and now I have become an overthinker. I know. You know, I'm overthinking everything. Um, I'm in a place in my life where I kind of like don't trust nobody. I know. Like I never wanted to be that person ever, ever, ever in my life. And so now I'm like looking at everybody like, okay, so what they're trying to do. So what they're trying to say, what they're trying to set me up. You know, so, and I hate that kind of thing. And, um, but I'm, I'm okay. I really am. It's coming Mm -hmm. through because we spoke a couple of times this week and we're Mm -hmm. going to get into everything. But as far as how this happened, I have thought about doing something with you, as you know, because I've called you and asked you to do things and we'll get into it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've always been intrigued by you. I've Mm -hmm. always thought you were a superstar. I've always thought you were wildly entertaining, talented, a powerful force. Mm-hmm. And I've always called you the goat. I've always said you should be at the top of Rushmore. You were my yeah. first Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't give that many people credit. And I feel like yeah, I've always... Either. Interesting. Yeah. And I feel like mm-hmm. I've always given you credit. And mm-hmm. as I thought about having you on many times, it was just like I would have just been having you on to have you on as a great mm-hmm. guest. But mm-hmm. something just sort of came to be recently. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just... We, you've commented on posted of, posts of mine and vice yes. versa, but I posted something recently. You commented. I commented back because I sort of felt like you needed a, mm-hmm. a, a an internet hug. I can't explain it. Yeah. I had like an energy about like you needed to be included in something. Mm-hmm. Where I, you gave me a mm-hmm. you gave me a high five. You said yeah. cheers to you, and yes. I was like cheers to us effectively. Yes. And I just and felt, I love that. And, and I loved. Yeah. I just and I felt like you mm-hmm. needed an internet hug. And yes. then I just said to my producers. Now it's time. Because I've told them a million times, call mm-hmm. Nini, don't call Nini, call Nini, call. <laughs> so this week I said, I'm positive. Yeah. And I'm positive. And then I've been texting you and then you yeah. called me. Mm-hmm. And then I really started to realize what an actually good idea this was. Better than I even thought yeah. because I, I heard you fragile. I heard you yeah. a little frayed. Yeah. I did say to you, you are in your own head. And I think yeah. you don't even know how people perceive you, you're, you're, you're skewed. And Mm -hmm. I felt that you are having a lack of trust. Like you just, everything you just said, it was coming through. Mm -hmm. And then we spoke, I spoke to someone from your team and a friend and you know, I was, I was absolutely, I said to my team, we should have this happen soon. She wants to do it soon. And she may cancel. She may cancel because I think she's very back and forth. Yeah. I was, I'm back and forth. I'm back and forth. That's all I can tell you. You know, one day I'm really good. The next day I'm not good. The next day I'm okay. I'm just kind of back and forth. And so when I saw your post on on Instagram, I honestly felt like, okay, may I be really honest? Yeah. <laughs> I honestly felt okay, like. By the way, completely uh, honest today. Completely yeah, honest. I honestly felt like, okay, so, you know, my heart wanted to say a win is a win. And this I did was say, about this was about a post that Bravo is mm-hmm. now implementing better workplace conditions, controlling cocktail consumption, and it was sort mm-hmm. of either a leaked or uh, a found letter mm-hmm. from the h- hires up, and it was a big win overall. Even though it wasn't yes, even it was. the tip of the iceberg, yeah. it was basically an admission that mm-hmm. the shit had been really had gone mm-hmm. sideways, mm-hmm. and the reality reckoning was real. Yeah. And Nini commented and say it again. What you I started saying. feeling like in that moment, I felt like hmm, that happened really fast. 
that's how I felt when I saw it. Like, you know, they heard her. Like, it was shocking to me. That's how I, I know. And you've alluded to it in some of your interviews, yeah. and I know that, and we're going to get into all that because I know that you've had a different experience, yeah. some different issues, but yeah. we're both on the same side of this. And so I know that it took you a lot to say to me, and I knew that it was a little, it was it was completely authentic, but it was wrapped in a message, oh, they heard you, for me to be mm-hmm. like, and they didn't hear you. But that's why right. I said to you, they heard us, because yes. I wanted to sort of wrap yes. you in, into it and not yes. leave you alone. I do believe that a win is a win. I do believe that. Right. Okay. So that's why I say a win is a win. It doesn't matter, you know, who slam dunk as long as we get the job done. Right. Right. Because at the end of the day, we're on the same team and we have some of the same message. So your voice was heard. Mine wasn't. It doesn't matter. Yours was heard. Well, yours is heard now. And I recognize coming into this interview and Mm -hmm. at all times, you're going to have a different experience in the world and in entertainment and in reality TV than I am. And you're a black woman and only you can speak to that. Yeah. I cannot speak to that. So yeah. I was thinking too, like I know Nene and I know Nene and I've told yeah. people, I, but I don't really know. I don't really yeah. know you. I don't know how you grew up. Mm-hmm. I don't know your relationship history, mm-hmm. your family. I don't know if you grew up poor. I know mm-hmm. that I've watched the storylines and someone else raised you. Can you just tell yes. us a little bit about your upbringing? Like really how you came into adulthood? Okay. So my mom had my brother at 18 and me at 19. So she was very young having us. Uh, My mom is from Athens, Georgia, which is right outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, after giving birth to us, well, my brother, she gave birth to in Georgia. And then she moved away to New York City, Queens, New York City Mm -hmm. in Cambria Heights. And she gave birth to me, which I was born in Jamaica, Queens Hospital in New York City. Oh, I was born in Queens uh, too. Yeah, in New York City. And so um, my mom's family, her roots are in Athens, Georgia, which is right outside of Atlanta. That's where her siblings were. Mm -hmm. Because my mom was so young, my aunt, who is her older sister, always said to me that she said to my mom, you're leaving those kids everywhere and with everybody. Why don't you bring them down to me? And she took me and my brother to her oldest sister. And that's where our lives changed. My um, my aunt, she only had one daughter. She couldn't have any more children after that. So she became my mom. Her and her husband became me and my brother's mom and dad. She essentially adopted us, you know, down the road. But we always had a relationship with our mom. Um, I was one of those kids that I grew up in Athens, Georgia, but I went back and forth to New York every single summer. I would catch a Greyhound bus. Uh, it would come t- through Athens. We would get on the bus, pack all of our things, and head off to Queens, New York City, and be with my mom for the summer. And then she'd send us back to Georgia right before school gets ready to start. So I always had a relationship with my mom. Um, I wouldn't say my relationship was always great with my mom because after that, my mom ended up getting her life together, getting married. She had a great husband who provided greatly for her. Uh, she had three more children with him afterwards. And I always felt like you, she never came back and got us. And, um, I, I, when I was like in middle school and high school, like I really wanted my mom, Um, I I honestly can't really explain it other than I just really wanted my mom. It wasn't anything that my aunt wasn't doing for us. She provided, you know, as best she could for us. Uh, She gave us a great upbringing. Um, But I just wanted my mom. I wanted to be with my mom. So I grew up with my mom's oldest sister and her husband. I did not have my mom and dad in my life on the everyday basis. 
So you felt left behind? I did because my mom would come and visit with her children and I always felt like okay so my mom is here with her kids and she's getting them dressed and making sure their hair is great and it was almost like I was invisible like I was not you know her other daughter like you know girl you're gonna comb my hair too right well if you had if she had gone on to live a selfish life with no kids that would be slightly easier but to go Mm -hmm. and then some other kids are yeah. living the life that you didn't have. Right. And also that type of stuff is embarrassing in high school. You have to make yeah. explanations. Is that your mom? Yeah. Well, it's kind of my mom. It's my yeah. aunt. Like you have to, you have to feel yeah. self-conscious. And then there would be periods when I didn't see my mom for like a whole year or a year and a half. You know, I didn't see my mom. I was like, oh my God, I still haven't seen my mom. But, you know, even when I got to my teen years where, you know, you, you want to date boys or uh, my mom's sister was older and I felt like my mom was younger. So she knew more hip things, you know. About, oh, you were like with an auntie. Yeah, I was with was my like, auntie. Yeah. Right. And so my mom, she knew more, you know, she was younger. Cooler. Yeah, cooler. And uh, I felt like, you know, I wanted her to like make me cool, you know, like make my hair look young or whatever it is. Instead of my little sisters with their hair all done cute and I'm over here with my aunts, you know. I understand. You felt like you didn't fit in. Right. Oh, yeah. And, um... But as I got older, I got over the relationship that me and my mom had. Got over it as in I wasn't holding any more grudges. Um, I understood that she was young when she gave birth to us. Uh, My life with my aunt was my aunt was married to an alcoholic. Um, He was, when I said alcoholic, like extreme alcoholic. Like he would be drunk and falling down and he's got many DUIs and he would curse her out and really belitter her when he was drunk and uh how old were you um I was with my aunt since I was about four years old so you witnessed all that at that age too Mm -hmm. I had the same experience growing up the police are coming to the house yes I witnessed everything growing up he was a great guy though uh he wasn't abusive to us I never saw him hit her but he was verbally abusive um he taught me how to drive him and my brother um he was a quiet man the only time he really talked is when he was drinking if he wasn't drinking he was pretty quiet so looking back being an adult now I know he was the kind of man who probably held a lot of things in Mm -hmm. and drinking helped him to say all the things he probably wanted to say and hadn't said but uh, my uncle worked in a grocery store and uh, my aunt was a cook and and a seamstress. She later on had like an alteration shop and she was the lady in Athens, Georgia that did all the weddings, like all the bridesmaids dresses mm-hmm. and anybody that wanted curtains done, she could sew everybody's curtains. And so uh, she had a nice small home, but we had a good life. And was this middle class, would you say? I would say it was middle class, yes. Do you now, as a, as a woman, do you recognize how amazing that they took you in? Like I thinking do. about that? I do. Uh, younger, I... Could not appreciate right. it. But now that I'm older, um, I do. I do. She gave me a lot of great advice, too. And uh, she died maybe like a year before my husband passed. So she she lived oh. until she was 92 years old. And uh, she's only been dead about three and a half years. So that was tremendous mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And uh, she raised not only me and my brother she had a granddaughter and a great grandkid she raised it well as well so she was one of those ladies who raised all the kids in the family um were you popular 
I was popular. You were popular. I was in the, so she made us do every activity in the world. Like we were tired of activities. I mean, I was a Girl Scout. I was a brownie. I was in a 4-H club. I played basketball. I was a cheerleader. I was in modeling school. I had to go to college. Like she was like that lady. So you, but you weren't insecure in that way. Like you felt like, okay. And what about relationship history before Greg? Were you attracted to good men? Did you, Mm -hmm. I know you've talked about abuse. I don't know Mm -hmm. who that was Mm -hmm. with. I don't know that Um, story. I do feel like my uncle, who was my father raising me, I think that I was in a way attracted to men that were abusive because Mm -hmm. I had dealt with the, my upbringing had some abuse in it, but I didn't recognize that until I was in those relationships. So I've always been in really long relationships. I am a relationship person. I really like relationships. I don't like really being single. I'm not a girl that would really be out like dating. Right. Like, uh, and I also think that um, I'm not attracted to a lot of men. I, I love men, but I always feel like it's like a special some kind of guy. It's not like some girls, they're like, oh, I like him, him, him. I, I don't. Like, I, it has to be like a special guy for me. I don't know what that is. But every man I see, I, I'm not attracted to them. And well, um, and I know that because I know you broke up with Greg very publicly. Yeah. And it was so shocking that you got back mm-hmm. together because it was so public. But I got to tell you, see, I dated... In high school, I had a boyfriend. My aunt was very strict. So she told me I couldn't date until I was 16. And then when I turned 16, she told me I was too childish. So I couldn't date at 16. Um, About 17, almost 17, she let me start dating. I had a boyfriend all the way through high school. Then when I went off to college, I went to college in Atlanta, Georgia. So I've been there since I was 18. I went Mm -hmm. to Morris Brown College in the AU Center where they have Clark Spellman, Morehouse. Everybody knows Mm -hmm. all of those schools Mm -hmm. and so um I got a boyfriend right as I got on campus and I started dating him for a short time and then I met my oldest son father he had come to my campus this is where you have the grandchildren with uh my that's who I had my son with my first child with I met him in college and he has the grand he has has the grand yes he does okay got it and so um he was abusive so he was really my first real boyfriend I didn't have sex until I was a freshman in college. Wow. Yeah, I wanted to have sex, you know, prior to that. But, of course, I couldn't. My aunt was saying I was really immature. And I was saying, like, all the girls in, in my neighborhood were using birth control. And it was kind of like a public thing. They would go to the neighborhood, like... Um, like the Planned Parenthood. Like, yeah, the Planned Parenthood. We would call it a clinic. Right. You know. And um, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I felt pressure. Like, everybody is, you know, taking birth control pills. It was like a little round pack. And he used to turn it, press the pill. And I was like, I don't even have any boobs. You know, I was, like, late developing. I mean, <laughs> Like, and your, and your ex was the first person you ever had sex yes, with? Yes, my son's father. But multiple times, and you were in a relationship with him? Yes, I was. Oh, for okay. About six years, six, seven years. Okay, and is your relationship good with your son? Uh, with my son, yes. yes. And uh, I have a relationship with him now, his father. Really? Yes, he was abusive to me. Has um, he acknowledged that? Um, I don't know that he would ever acknowledge that. Uh, it's just but, not discussed. It's but not he addressed. knows that I acknowledge it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because I was like, this is real and you did what you did. You know what I mean? Right. But um, after that relationship, I will tell you, this is how I met Greg. I was so, I was really in a bad, abusive relationship. I don't even want to go into how bad he was to me. Um, you were loved. Once I finally got away from him, I said, 
I've never dated another guy. If you even just talk mean to me, like just say something mean to mm-hmm. me, then I was going to be out. Mm-hmm. So every guy I talked to and if they were like, you bitch. And I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm Any not red talking flags, to you. Were out. Yeah, I was out. And so when I met Greg, I'd never dated an older man before. I always dated guys that were my age. And when I met Greg, I was like, he's not my type. I don't think so. Um, he asked me to go on a date. I thought when he picked me up, he opened up the doors and he gave me roses and chocolate. I thought that was corny. Weirdo. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? And why did he pull up here in this car like that? You know, I'm not recognizing the gentleman in him. And that is the way a lady should be treated. I just thought that, you know, he was like too old school for me is what I thought. Well, you probably didn't have the self-worth to accept no. that someone could just love no. you and be good to you. No. And I remember the first date we went to. We we went, it was during the Olympics at Benny Hanna's in Atlanta. Okay. Mm-hmm. They were fairly new. It was super crowded. And when we got there, they said that there would be a wait and that he and I could sit at the bar. And uh, he said, well, it's going to be a wait and we can sit at the bar. And I was like, oh. Okay. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord have mercy. They say it's going to be a wait and I got to sit here and talk to this man. This is crazy. <laughs> and so I get at the bar and I sit and no lie. We had a drink and we were just chatty, 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 chatty. They finally called us for our table. And you know, at Bidihana's, you sit with all these people mm-hmm. and they do this little hibachi, the little hibachi thing in the front of you, right? And uh, and I didn't know what to order. And he said, I'll order for you. And he did. And we had the Best freaking day. We talked the whole time. I remember leaving out of Benny Hanna saying, that was a nice day. Nice. I always credit Greg for teaching me how to eat dessert. I never went to a restaurant and they said, would you like to see the dessert menu? And we would always say, no, thank you. Dessert menu. <laughs> and he was like, yes, let's look at the desserts. Because he wanted to spend more time with you. He wanted to spend but more time with you. he always was a dessert guy. I'm a dessert person. They and always so go, we always had a dessert. Oh, I remember getting back in the car thinking that was a great date. How old were you? I met Greg. I was 28. So, and how old was he? I didn't know how uh, old he was. He was like 41. Oh, so it is a different 13. Okay. It was 13 so years different. The, and then we were off to the races? or No, we were not off to the races. He said to me uh, the next day, he said, would you like to go out to lunch? And I was like, okay, sure. And I was just thinking I was going out to eat. Like, I just want to go eat all the time, right? And he said to me one day at lunch, he said, you know, girl, one day you're going to be my wife. Stop. And I said, it is not possible, sir. Like, I will never be your wife, okay? Let's be clear. And he was like, you got to marry you one day, girl. Was, was he the love of your life? He was. The love of my life. Like, I tell everybody this. I don't know that I will ever experience this type of love ever again in my life. I think I have experienced the ultimate love. And I don't think that you experience that but once in a lifetime. I don't think there's anybody else out here for me. I did not like Greg. In fact, I thought he had on nice shoes. I did not like his pants. I did not like anything. Honestly, when I tell you that man charmed me, he told me. Like, knowing him like two weeks in, he said, you remind me of my mom and you're going to be my wife one day. And, and I was amazing. like, wow. That is beautiful. I said, there's no fucking way he has lost his mind. <laughs> I'm not going to be his wife. And have, and sure enough, you were. And I was six months into dating, we got engaged. Really? Six months. One year after dating, we were married. I was thinking today, and the many thoughts I've had about you, yes. what would he have told you if you asked him if you should do this today? That's what I was thinking. You know, I believe that Greg would have been probably 50-50. 
50-50. I know him. He 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 and the reason why I say that is because he will be thinking to himself, um, Greg likes to keep the peace. I don't know if there's gonna be a problem. What's gonna happen? If he knew everything that was happening right now today around me, he probably would be 50-50. He probably would be like, I'm not sure. And maybe that's difficult for you that he was your sounding board and you're going through all of this alone. The biggest yeah. thing that's ever really happened. Is, I've needed him so much since he's been gone. You know what I mean? Like, this is some big shit. You're dealing with big girl shit. And we're yeah. older now, and we're thinking, yeah. we're reflecting on our lives yeah. and what the meaning is. And mm-hmm. you've been through it. Okay, so... You know what I would tell him right now? What? Is um, I would always laugh at him because he always wore glasses, and he would be squinching. He'd say, oh, one of these days, you're going to be squinching your eyes like that, too, and you're going to need some glasses, too. And I have to say, Greg, I think I need glasses. The day is here. I'm already here. The day is here. (laughs) I'm starting to squint. Well, I don't remember how you and I first met. I remember one time being in Atlanta and us having dinner. Mm -hmm. I remember us doing a whole plane ride together, presumably from Atlanta. Yes. And I remember a couple of things you said to me, which will be interesting. And I Mm -hmm. then... I haven't spent that much time with you. I've always just admired you from afar. But on the mm-hmm. plane, you said to me that you can only ever... Oh, sorry. And the third time I saw you, you mm-hmm. came to an event that I was doing with two of your girlfriends. That's right. And Aunt, you said to me, and you were the new girl in town. Mm-hmm. You were in the new show in town. This mm-hmm. is crazy, you guys. I was on the New York Housewives. <laughs> Atlanta and Jersey came later. We thought, oh my God, what this a dumb good. idea. You know, there were new people coming in. We were probably wanting to you know, be protective over it. And we didn't understand it. And Jersey came in and and Atlanta was coming in and Nini came. I invited her. I don't know (laughs) why or how we knew each other, but she came to an event of mine, a cocktail Mm -hmm. event. She brought two girlfriends and she said, I have to leave them here with you because I have to go be Andy's date for a party because she yes. was the new shiny toy. Yes. You were the new popular girl. We mm. were ready. I was. I had dust mm. on me. Mm. So you left your friends with me at a party. Uh, you know where I went, right? No. I went to Anderson Cooper's house. Oh, yes. you were the new shiny toy. I was. Yes. I, you left me with your friends. I yes. took your friends. How funny is it? I mm-hmm. took your friends mm-hmm. to three places. One was a Hampt- One was a Gotham magazine party, and Beyonce yes. performed mm-hmm. for like two hundred people. They mm-hmm. thought I was the coolest person they ever met. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know she was going to perform, <laughs> but I took them. Beyonce gets on stage, and then mm-hmm. I take them to a club, and mm-hmm. they will verify this. I take them yes. to a club. We get to the front. And the guy at the front mm. won't let us in. And so we go inside to STK yes. and I'm pissed off. We go inside and I'm like, I'm fucking pissed. And they're like, don't yeah. worry about it. We're having fun here. The music's yes. good here. And I'm yes. like, no, I, I'm pissed. And I, te- I email the owners of the place yes. and I say, you're not going to let me downstairs. And we walk back the front and I started cursing the guy out in front. Mm-hmm. I said, you're going to fucking let us in here. Mm-hmm. And they let me and your two friends in. We go downstairs and I meet my ex-husband, okay. my daughter's yes, father. So well, I this, wish I listened. Well, I love my daughter. She's beautiful. But it was a challenging 10-year divorce. And I wish I listened to them to stay at STK. Let me tell you something. Isn't that crazy? Except for my daughter. That we were together and I needed to go to Anderson Cooper's house. And I, I didn't want to bring any guests with me to Anderson Cooper's No, house. you want to roll tight. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go and meet Andy. He's already there. And um, this girl meet her husband that night. That night. night. Is that insane? That night, the DJ, he was DJing. It was, it was the 10th of June. Yeah, he was DJing. He was, who was DJing? Wasn't he DJing? Oh, no, no, that was their 10th anniversary. No, he was just there and I was dancing. Okay. And yeah, no. So I met my ex on that night, uh, which is she insane. Did. 
But then on the um, I went to Anderson Cooper's house. He lives in that fire. You fire see old firehouse fire department, a house or whatever. It I is. went there once, and I thought it was so creative. I was like, wow, so this is how you have to get a house in New York City. You have to buy a fire department. And I remember he still had the little thing in the middle of the floor. And I thought it was just beautiful and creative. Well, he loved me. It was so interesting how Andy him and loved Andy, you. Uh, Anderson Cooper loved oh, me. Oh, they ever, I mean, yeah, who didn't I, love you? It was you. so surprising how him and Andy became friends because Anderson loved me. Anderson loved you. And you have to admit that you were the favorite child at that point, right? You guys were. Um, was I the favorite? If I had to be honest, looking back, I probably, I probably thought I was the favorite. I didn't see everything that was to come. I understand. Be love with every heartbeat and every piece of Pandora jewelry. Let love shine on your favorite bracelets, necklaces, earrings, and rings. Or create a style that's all your own with a unique mix of lovingly crafted charms. From big feelings to small messages and everything in between, love is at the heart of it all. Be love. Shop Pandora Jewelry today. Find a store near you or shop online at Pandora.net. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? Yes. This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But at yeah. that time, you were definitely, I think, I mean, because I, yeah, I, I felt. Probably, I, I probably was thinking to myself, I'm his favorite. I felt yeah. a little jilted. Just, yeah. I mean, if I didn't know, I wouldn't yeah. know. But you were just like, oh, yeah. my friends are staying here because I'm going yeah. with Andy. And I thought, oh, interesting. Like my yeah. mind just. And, and I, I became the favorite at some point, And we all. <laughs> but I, and I often think about that, um, which we're definitely getting into. But yeah. on that plane, you said to me, I when we were on a plane together, you said, I only can focus on one thing at a time. I can only do one thing well at a time. Do you, do you feel that way anymore? No, I can definitely multitask. Yep. Honey, are you kidding me? Does that make sense that you said that? Yes, but I can multitask now. I believe you. Life. I agree with you. You um, have to. You have to. So yeah. am I allowed to ask about 
that you danced and that that came out on the yes. show. Okay, so so explain that journey. Uh, you mean stripper? Yeah. So what I were was, you doing in as, in work overall? Because that um, was part I of was your a journey. Single single mom. Okay. At the time, and I was trying to. I had gotten away from the person I was dating. Yep. Uh, that was abusing me, and I needed a job. And strip clubs are very popular in Atlanta. Uh, it's a nude state where you can be completely nude. I know a lot of states are, you know, topless or whatever, but not Georgia. And all the college girls on my campus were uh, dancing. And I thought, I just looked in a paper and it said new models. Well, I used to model. So I thought, okay, well, surely I can be a nude model. Let me just go and see. And it landed me inside of Cheetah's strip club is it a good one is it still there it's a good one it's not there anymore now okay. but it's it's a very good one okay um actually cheaters is still there it was the gold club that wasn't there mm-hmm. and i i walked inside and um i I'd never done this before i just need to make some money i was a single mom and they asked you to see the house mom upstairs the house mom whatever and when i got upstairs she said we had to take our clothes off and I took my clothes off, and then she said that we need to go out on the dance floor. You know, they gave us, like, something to go out and just let her see us dance for a few seconds. Were you a good dancer to begin Um, with? I know how to dance. You know how to move. But, yeah, but I didn't know how to dance like that. (laughs) You know, like, being all sexy. I was like, okay, this is some new stuff. So I'm looking around at other girls, and I'm learning that, you know, I need to get sexy with it. and Slow, right? What are the tips? Yeah, the rest is history. I end up being in the strip club lifestyle for Probably a good three years. What was that like? Were people respectful? Did you make a lot of money? Like, what was yeah, it like? Yeah, I worked at really nice strip clubs. So, you know, there's some trashy ones, and there's mm-hmm. some that are really nice. Well, all the girls are driving nice cars, and the men are really tipping. And I worked on day shift a lot because I was a mom, a single mom. Okay. And my son would be in school during the day, so I would drive him to school, a private school. I would drive him to a private school, and mm-hmm. then I'd drive my ass to the strip club. Did he know what your job was? No, he was very young. He was very young. And yes. do you still, do you ever run into anyone? Do you speak to anyone you work with? Has it I, ever I come around? I have ran into a couple of girls that I've danced with in the past, but no. And isn't it funny that if, think about all the things when we were on reality TV that we mm-hmm. didn't like mention and because yeah. you, you were probably ashamed and now you would come right out it. with it. I did. If Later, you, but someone tried no, to bust uh-uh. you, which I is want the whole to say, game. No, it was on season one or two. We had Derek Blanks as our photographer. And we did these photos where we were, um, like, I can't remember what he called them. But, you know, our, our one life and then our past life. In my past life, I, I was a stripper. And, and you I came out it. with it? You yeah. Were, oh, you we came. Actually, yeah, I, thought, I did For some it. reason, I thought it was that someone mm-hmm. said something and you felt like you had to bring it. You no. brought it into the no, show. No, I talked about it and did it on a whole thing. I always kind of owned it because, honestly, the truth is, I kind of really liked it. I've always been intrigued by it. Yeah, I kind of really it's, liked it. It's the weirdest thing, but I really did like it. You felt empowered? I did, and I actually could control a lot of guys, too. You, so I kind of liked it. I did. You were in charge. You were in control. Yeah. And you probably I wrote a lot. about it in my book. I think maybe around season three, I wrote a memoir and I talked about my life as a stripper. Like I kind of always talked about it because it taught me a lot. Honestly, it taught me a lot. Um, I could. Finally, for the first time, pay my rent and my light bills and not have to ask anybody. It was you were in charge. It yes, was your decision. I, I got me a new car from the strip club. The strip club actually really helped me a lot. So where did you go from there? Like, what was your next job and how did you get out uh, of there? My next job, 
craziest thing is I had met my husband, met Greg. I had started working for Lancome Cosmetics inside of Macy's. Oh, <laughs> doing people's makeup? No, selling makeup. Oh, but you don't have to know how to give a is makeover? Is Lancome still around? Yeah, of course Lancome yeah. still. They have a great uh, under eye concealer and good yeah. mascara. <laughs> Lancome. Yeah, of course and, Lancome. Um, so I started working for Lancome. I worked inside of Macy's. And I kind of moved around the department store on the bottom floor doing perfumes, doing makeup. Very social. And yes. And, and uh, when I met my husband, my husband was the breadwinner. And he kind of took me from working, period. So you weren't really a career woman then. Like no. You weren't that driven. You were no. driven, but you didn't know what you were moving towards. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Now, when I got married, I knew I wanted to be an actress, right? So you did you so, want fame or you wanted to be an actress? Or were they next to together? Actress. I never thought... I. I I never thought about reality TV. I only thought about, I'm an actress. It didn't really exist. And I wanted to be an actress. So once I got my husband and I'm sitting at home and I don't have anything to do, I started taking acting classes. In Atlanta. In Atlanta. Okay. Uh, Nick Conti, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> he was our, 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 our acting coach. And so I um, took my acting class and my husband would pay for them. And I don't. my husband never thought for one second that I would make it. Okay. So, what does that mean? I don't like, what does that sound I, I just mean? not I just think he, that he, he thought it was a cute little hobby you were doing yeah, on the side. Like, I don't think that he ever thought and I would tell him that I want to go to Hollywood one day. And I was dreaming of going to Hollywood. I love the sunset sign that I would see like pictures of. I wish I could see that sign that says sunset. And um I finally, years passed, and my husband was able to purchase me a ticket to go to pilot season in California. But how? Who's representing you? How do you know what you're doing I, in pilot Nobody season? was representing me. I was representing myself. So I, Perfect. So, so let me tell you, you what that? I was doing. I took headshots in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, I had a book that lists all the agents. So I was stuffing envelopes. I had that same book. With, with my freaking black and thing. white yep. headshot. And no and one's ever going to call you back. Don't yeah. say somebody called you back. Nobody no one's ever going to call you, you back. You know what? I probably got one call but nobody ever really called me back and I learned that there was this thing called pilot season where you go out to LA and all these opportunities are there where they weren't really there no, like that because you me. have to be represented right. and I, I, the only way that, right. that's how I got to I went to the Church mm -hmm. of Scientology because mm -hmm. somebody called me back from mm -hmm. a thing and I ended up at the Church of Scientology so I end up learning about this agency that used extras pay you, I don't know, extra casting and pay us yep. $25 or something to sit. So I, I got a Central part of, casting. Central casting. Yeah, Central yes. casting. I became a part of Central casting. Like, they would send me everywhere to be an, an extra. And I would sit there and be like, I don't know why I'm not acting. Why are all these people like, I could do that. I could do this. I could do that. I could do this. And one day I met Robbie Reed Humes. I tell everybody, Robbie Reed Humes changed my life. Who is that? Do I know him? Oh, she's a, she's a female. She's a okay. very big casting director out in Los Angeles. She's a black woman. Okay. She was casting all of the African-American shows like uh, Girlfriends, uh, The Parkers. Mm -hmm. That was with Monique and I think her name is Countess or something. All of those shows. And she was working with Ruben Stuttered. He was another big casting director out there. And I was like, I got to get to them and I got to get to them. And this is when I know that Hollywood was tricky. So I went in, I auditioned. Robbie loved me. And I auditioned for this big role for Fighting Temptations. And it was going to be Cuba Gooding Jr. and Beyonce. Wow. And a lot of people in there. And uh, and and I, I she loved me for the part. They called me back and said I did not get the part. They loved me, but I didn't get it. But they had an idea for me to be, guess what, a stripper. 
But coincidentally or because they, oh, they knew you're saying. I don't know if they knew or not, but the role of a stripper, I was like, okay, so I ended up doing that part. I did. I took it. I ended up being the little stripper really quick, a little part where Cuba was walking into some night spot and it was me and a couple girls on stage dancing. And we may have said something like, Hey, welcome to the, I mean, I don't know. And, um, from that, I, I needed to get, you have to get. You got um, under five. Yeah, you have to you get. You got your line, SAG yes, after SAG, car. SAG after car. That was way, they make you do a whole lot more now I know. to get oh, it. Oh, really? And I really needed to get it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was I was so thankful to Robbie Reed for helping me to get you it. had a SAG car. Yeah, I had a SAG car. From that point on, uh, she ended up calling me to do a part in Girlfriends. And I just started doing little parts where I maybe had one line or two words. You were in the game. But I was in the game. Well, and and, so, in the and game. did Greg had money to support you? Like He did. He was doing so, well. Greg was doing really well for himself. And I was his stay-at-home, young, fabulous, beautiful wife. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, he flew me out to Los Angeles. And then I would fly back. And I did that probably for the next four years. And I Sweetie, never, you've been doing that for listen, 30 years. I You're never still got doing it anything. Now. Well, kind of, sort of, yeah. yeah. You've always I didn't been get doing a that. dang thing, right? I gave up. You got a up. sad card. Yeah, I did. Okay. But so I got back to Atlanta and I said to myself, obviously, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be a housewife. I'm not going to waste money going back to Los Angeles. Because you got a little Angeles defeated. And, yeah, I got defeated. How, how old are you at this point now? Um, I'm in my 30s. You got a little point. defeated. So okay. I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And the moment I got defeated, that's when I met the lady who said, um, guess what? The Real Housewives of Orange County casting director is coming to Atlanta, Georgia. And I said, Orange County? I mean, this is Atlanta. <laughs> Why would Orange County be coming around? And they were like, no, no, no. I mean, they're looking for the cast in Atlanta. Oh but God. it's going to be something like the Orange County Housewives, but they're going to call it the Ladies of Atlanta or something. And I said, honey, you need to send them my way. Right, because you didn't care what it was. You were getting right, your ass in the door. Right, you need to send them my way, honey. And she said, well, they have to, you have to live behind gates. I said, oh, honey, I live behind gates. So okay. they came to you and, and she I mean sent the lady to me, honey, and the rest was history. Re- I was not looking for reality because I've no, always but been you an actress. To get your ass in that door. Yeah, but I my, my whole thing was I'm an actress. I want to be an actress. What what are we doing? The here? door closed. You went through the window. Yes, I you had to get through the. Goddamn well, let me tell you window. something about this casting director, the lady who was doing it, and you uh, know her name, right? Yeah, now. Princess Batten. Okay, let me tell you, I I uh, blew her off. For probably a good two weeks, she kept calling. I Why? Was, I, I, I did the same I, thing. I didn't but really. I, was I didn't really. Um, I didn't really know. You know. You didn't understand what the medium yeah, was, and I didn't really know what the whole reality, how that was going to be. Yep. And so she said, "You know, are you going to take this meeting or not?" You know, and that's how we kind of. She kind of got rough with me, like on the last phone call, and I was like, "Okay, girl, you can come tomorrow." And no joke. So you were one of the first ones cast on that show, for sure. I you was didn't come, the first you one. You were the first one. Yes, okay. I was the first one. Okay, so now you enter into it, and mm-hmm. do you think you're on something hot? You think this is going to be no. a thing? No. I thought, I remember all of us girls getting together. I remember, listen, I know this story like it was yesterday. I say to Princess, Princess leaves my house, and she called me before she gets out of my gate. She said, "Who? we love you. Who are your friends? And, you know, I started naming everybody. Sheree Whitfield. These were your real friends. Yeah. 
me and Sheree and Greg and Bob, we were all Good really friends. friends. Okay. Oh, and, you knew her uh, husband. You were for some. Yeah. But, okay. Her husband uh, was playing in the NFL exactly. at the time. And so we would go with Sheree and Bob to the game a lot. So I said Sheree would feel okay. Kim Zosiak. And you, and, how did you um, know Kim? Well, Kim and I lived in, I lived in the neighborhood across the street from Kim at the time. When we ended up living in the same neighborhood. But at this time, she lived across the street. And our children, my baby boy and her daughter went to the same like little daycare in the neighborhood. And she was single. Um... Dating that guy, big papa, but single. Actually, when I met her, she was dating a different guy. Okay. But you really liked her? Like, she was very cool? You know what? We had the same trainer at the gym, too. And I was very interested in her. Because when I would see her at the gym, she would have a big blonde wig on. She would have a cigarette. And who the fuck is on the treadmill with a cigarette? <laughs> and, you know, walking on the treadmill. And she and back at this time, this jogging suit was out real popular called Juicy. Yes. Do you remember yep. the, the she probably brand? had the velvet. She yeah, had every the color. Velvet. She yeah, had velour. every color. Yeah, velour. She had every color. And I would be so interested Who is this in bitch? her. Yeah, she would walk in with jewelry and this velour juicy couture thing on. So she was like, rocking that like yeah. without the camera. She yeah, was just I, that yes. bitch. And I would be looking at her like, this is an interesting white lady. Yeah. <laughs> and I just could never get over because actually, you know, I'm a black girl. I never really saw white women with this wigs This is an on. interesting white lady is yeah. the line of 2023. 20, a, a wig on. And right. I, I never But no really, white women don't wear wigs. I don't really see white yeah. women with wig on like that. And it, it, the At thing, the gym, too. At the gym. The thing about it is it looked like a wig to me. So that's why I was like, wow, this lady is really interesting. She has a wig, a juicy couture sweatsuit, a lot of jewelry, Smoking a cigarette. A cigarette. <laughs> You know, she does a lot of things. She pull up in a nice car outside, and you, her kids are all dressed up with tutus and just the whole all, thing. This all kind of stuff on, and I would be so interested in her. That I talked to her one day, and uh, me and her kind of hit it off from talking like that. And I, when the producers would come down to talk to us about this show called The Ladies of Atlanta, I said to them, "I have this white lady I want to introduce you guys to," and they said, "No." Uh, this is going to be an all African-American right. cast and we're not interested. And I said to them, you really need to meet this white lady. This is a different kind of white lady. Yes, right and here. she is a different kind and of white so lady. And so they were like, they really weren't interested. And we were going to have, we were all meeting in Atlanta. They were flying down. Um, Brian Hale. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. Yes. And so I said, I want you to meet her. I'm going to bring her to the lunch. I beg him you to go meet her to thrill. the lunch. She came to the lunch. Seriously, these people were gun ho on. This is going to be an all African American cast. The moment Kim walked in that room, they were just like me. They were like, wow, I'm telling you, five minutes in, they were scratching their head. But you they know that, like, like, I mean, and I know that you've had your ups and downs with her, but yes. like, you have to be grateful that you did bring her in because the two of you oh, made yeah. each other better. No, I, I mean, knew Kim was going to be good. You guys together, let's oh, just, yeah. you, you guys were Jill and myself. Like, yes. you guys were. I knew she was going to be good. You guys together. I just needed them to know it. When they saw Kim, oh my God, they were like, "Honey, but now we can't even turn this down." So we're so 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 you, you she was your Kim, good, 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 not good, good girlfriend. She was just you know a lady I knew. In no, the but gym. through but then you start to nurture it through the show yeah, yeah, because nothing yeah. is real. You're living yes, two worlds. Yes, That's yes. me and Jill. You're nurturing yes. a relationship. That's yes. all about the show. Yes. And the audience is seeing you become closer and closer. And there's no other way to do it because you're mm -hmm. on the battlefield yes. and you need someone next mm -hmm. to you. And that's why it's challenging when audiences say, oh, but you guys are best mm -hmm. friends. Mm -hmm. But the show needs you to be best yes. friends because yes. they won't cast if yes. you don't seem like your best friend. Yes, Kim came in with her cigarette and her garment. She was these motherfuckers. <laughs> she just was so many things. Those people were looking like, we have to have her. 
But it was were you no ever brainer. very close? Would you call yourself um, close or were show I w- friends? I think I, I would never say we were very close. I would say that we were very cool. Very cool. Do you regret yes. going to the mattresses with her on the show? Uh, no, I can't say that I do. Because no. do you feel that, I always say that the show, it's a zero-sum game. Someone mm-hmm. always has to be winning and someone mm-hmm. always has to be losing. Yeah. So you are either getting killed or killing somebody. There's really very little <laughs> middle. That's very good. It's the mafia. Yeah. You're killing or being yeah. killed. If, you're yeah. not, if you don't know yeah. who's getting whacked, yeah. you're getting whacked. Yes. So, it's, yeah. so uh, you know, I had a makeup person here today doing my mm-hmm. makeup and He's good friends with Tinsley. And I was saying Mm -hmm. I really liked her, which wouldn't be evident by the show Mm -hmm. because she was, you know, she was a fine housewife, a nice girl, but it's called Get Out of the Way. The grownups are on the battlefield and that's the way the game is played. So it's very difficult for the audience to understand why you have a friend and then you don't have a friend because if there's something that somebody has on you, Mm -hmm. they're going to fucking bring it to the center of the table because that's what the game is. That kind of sucks, but yeah. Am I wrong? You're right. Has there ever been anything not brought to the front of the table? No, everything. You cannot share anything with any of those girls. Or have any secrets. No, you can't have any secrets. Right. So do you, um, did, so what about fame? What about Mm -hmm. money? You're coming on the show. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning when we started too, when you were wearing your normal clothes. You didn't know that you're supposed to be Mm -hmm. in a photo shoot every Mm -hmm. day. Once Mm -hmm. in a while you get hair and makeup, Mm -hmm. but I was sitting there in my like raggedy Mm -hmm. clothes. Me too. And- all of a sudden, the game starts moving quickly mm-hmm. and it gets glamorous and yes. like you're competing. And yes. so what about the money, the cars, um, all that shit on the show? I was the underdog. Like, like Coming us? In. I was the underdog because uh, Sheree was married to Bob and he had money. He was a football player. Mm-hmm. Kim was dating Big Papa and he had all this money. Deshaun Snow was with Eric Snow. He was an NBA player. Ah. You know, Lisa Wu was married to a football player. And my husband was just a regular executive working, you know. Ah. And you <laughs> felt poor and like not interesting? Um, no, I didn't find, I didn't, I didn't feel poor because we were living very nicely. I, I, I was the underdog though. Uh, my husband didn't have the money that these guys had. Got it. And uh, we were definitely the underdog. But how did that affect you? How did that feel? Did you feel insecure about it? Did um, you want to prove I something? I did it. Mm-mm. I just knew, I don't know how I knew this. I knew like a, two weeks into shooting that I had to be myself though. That's the only thing I had. And I said to myself, I feel like every time Another the cameras come on. Yeah. Same as I feel like and every you time about the, it. you don't yeah. want to show this, you want to show it. And you said, yeah. fuck it, I'm going all I in. I said, I'm just going to just be me because this is not working. Like, I can't pretend to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just have to be myself. Yep. So I just kind of went in, like, being myself. I did not know that that was going to work for me. Now, mind you, these girls are wearing designer everything. Mm-hmm. And I am like, girl, I am just with my few little pieces. I don't have the pieces that they have, but my few little pieces, we're going to make it work out. Lo and behold... I really think that they thought that they were going to be the real popular ones when I look back on it, but they said they were not. You were the bust out star. <laughs> the bloop. That was, yeah. that was And it. I think because, you know why? I think because I was regular, kind of, I was the underdog. And I think everybody liked me because I was the underdog. But did you believe into your own, did you believe mm-hmm. your own bullshit? Did you buy into it? Did you like take it to the next level and get, because from a, my, you think you did? Um, no, no, no. I, I, if you're saying that I get glam and all that kind of stuff, yeah. No, but there, there was a drastic change mm-hmm. in original Nini, and then all of a sudden you moved into rich bitch and the cars yeah. and the glitz, and everybody's game started to yeah. elevate, and I, it looked like a lot of pressure. Like I look at Beverly Hills, and I feel pre- pressure. I would mm-hmm. not 
I would be like Denise Richards showing up on the balcony in pajamas where you guys were elevating the game and every week it was a yeah. new hairstyle and a new handbag and a new car yeah. and a new show. And it felt competitive, a competitive sport. Um, the Bentleys and the cars and... I would say that it... it African was, princes. Yes, I would think that it was somewhat competitive in Atlanta. Um, everybody has a big house. I mean, it's Georgia. I mean, so everybody can, right? Uh, and it's a lot more affordable to live in Georgia than it is to live in New York. You know, so people can't afford a nice size house. Right. Uh, and I think that Kim was with Big Papa. He was giving her everything. I just think that it I don't know. You felt just, the pressure to be yeah. rich. You felt the pressure. Yeah. yeah, I could see. I could see that. And yeah. then also the cameras, they had everything. Yeah. Be love with every heartbeat and every piece of Pandora jewelry. Let love shine on your favorite bracelets, necklaces, earrings, and rings. Or create a style that's all your own with a unique mix of lovingly crafted charms. From big feelings to small messages and everything in between, love is at the heart of it all. Be love. Shop Pandora Jewelry today. Find a store near you or shop online at Pandora.net. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you. Do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. You may know me from, let's see, 90210, Charmed, Mallrats, Heathers. Probably also know me from my stage four cancer diagnosis and sharing that journey with so many of you. There's something so authentic about a podcast. It's me connecting, me talking raw in the moment. That's what my goal is to give you to talk about why I feel that cancer to a certain extent is a gift, what my responsibilities are as a person with cancer, because I think that there's something so much bigger than me. And to be honest, I'm still trying to find out what that is. And maybe together we'll find it. It's going to be a wild ride. So I hope that you all tune in. Listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So do you feel now looking back, do you feel that I, I often say that the situations that are, the interaction is real, yes, but the circumstances might not be real. So it's not that you're necessarily friends with these people and having these conversations. Mm -hmm. And do you think that 
do you feel that it's real? Do you feel that it was real? Do you feel that it changed? Because I, I have a feeling when it changed in my mind, but I want to hear well, from so you. So I will tell you, when we entered season one, it was real. Everything we said and did was real. The way our relationships fell apart were real. Mm -hmm. There were no, we, me and Kim fell out, we really fell out. Like, we didn't make that shit up. Like, we really bumped heads. Me and Sheree really bumped heads. Um, but why I, was it because of the show? Would you have bumped I heads if it know. weren't for the show? You know, I no, no, me and Sheree were already bumping heads before the, the first camera ever even. Rose. Oh, okay. We had already started like falling out. Okay. So it was really real. Oh, it was really and real. It was really well real. And um, I think for us, I feel like the relationship started changing the stories to me, like four or five, season four or five. We were real. We I often look at them and say that everybody on there is making shit up. Now, we, yes. And storylines and what they're doing. Yes, that but was do you, not that way. But don't you think it's also because the game has been elevated, every photo shoot has happened, every leg has been thrown, table has been flipped, and they've seen all the previous seasons now when they yeah. come on, so they feel like they have to do something. They do. they do. I'm telling you, when we entered, we were so good because we were real. It was, I mean, you know, it was my favorite yeah, show. Yeah, it was authentic. Is, I don't know what. We were real. I know. And so now everybody has a fake boyfriend, a fake everything. Everything is fake. Everything. And they have all these stories they made up. I don't even know how they came up with them. Everything is fake. Did yes. you? Do you feel, so I've spoken to a lot of women on a lot of different shows, mm -hmm. and they've taken antidepressants, the pressure gets to them, the media, et cetera. Did you ever go really low while on the show in that way? Did you ever feel like you... I was on camera going low a couple of times. I mean, before so, the Greg stuff and before the yeah, later before stuff, which Greg's, we're going to get in. If you remember, I can't, I can't, I, sometimes I can't call the season. It may have been season five or six. I wasn't, we, I just know we were at the reunion. I was in all white. Dr. Jeff had come on our show. Um, oh, I remember. I felt it was a lot going on. With all the girls were ganging up on me. I felt a lot, a lot of pressure. And uh, I really felt low at the reunion. I think I got up and walked off of the reunion. Dr. Jeff was there to try to help us get through it. Um, I think there were a couple times. And then after that, yeah, the other time was my husband. But yeah. Well, the, when you broke up with Greg the first time, do you think that the show played a part in it? Do you think that the show had a negative effect on your relationship? I have to be honest. I... I can't say that the show was 100% for me and Greg's marriage because we were together long before I walked on the show. Um, we fell apart because we were falling apart, honestly. Uh, the show did not help because I felt like my husband started feeling, it's crazy, I know, I know it's crazy, but my husband started feeling really intimidated by me having my own money. Oh, interesting. That's a dynamic. He That's really very, was not here for me to have my own money. It I him. never saw that in him. Yes, that makes but sense. He wasn't because you never had your own money. That's yeah. why you never saw that. So, I mean, I didn't need him to ask him for a bag or get my hair done or anything like that. And I, I feel like my husband got really intimidated by that. He would actually walk around and be like, she's gone Hollywood. And I'm like, he is really tripping. Oh. Like, I, this is my own. He didn't like that at all. My husband was a man's man. He was the kind of guy who provides. And he liked providing. And it made him feel good to provide. And it made him feel good for me to need him. And I kind of no longer needed him financially. You know. Did and you go Hollywood? I don't think I went Hollywood. I felt like I just had some money. You were evolving. 
Yeah, and I was with him since I was 28. And I just think that I was my own woman now and I had my own money. Um, I still loved him, but he was not happy about me having my own money. I I will say that I did have more control or power, if you will. So, Did you feel emasculated? Um, you know what? I've been asked that before, and I feel like I may have done that to him a couple times. I get that. You're strong. You're strong. Yeah, woman. I feel like I may have done that, not intentionally, but looking back, like I may have said things to him that was like, I don't know, probably because I had my own money and I probably was like, you know what? I don't really need you like that, sir. What? How did you get back together? Whose choice was that? Um, Crazy thing. Um, He moved out. He moved out probably about a mile or two miles from our house. And I would drop my son off when it was time for him to have visitation with his dad. And uh, Greg and I wasn't speaking. And uh, how we ended up speaking is I dropped Brent off one day and I was picking him up and he said, he got in the car with me. He said, my dad said to tell you hi. And I was like, and then he was like, he's in the window. He's in the door, mom. Look, my dad is saying hi. And I looked and I was like, boy, (laughs) hi. And kind of from that, we just started talking. You missed him. It was kind of weird that he spoke to me that day, and I was like, "Boy, get out of here!" But was he and more? Was he more comfortable with your fame part two when he came back? Did he yes. change? He got more comfortable with the situation. Yeah, I think he just kind of like became silent. Then I think he was like, "Oh, forget it, whatever." Nene is Nene now, and <laughs> but uh, he spoke to me, and that kind of like all it kind of took. I did hear that he. I knew he had a girl that he was dating. I went over there one night. I wasn't supposed to. I mean, he wasn't my boyfriend, and we had already divorced. But I think I was feeling territorial. Uh, I went by his place. I knew she was there. And his house was dark on the front of the house. It looked completely dark. And something told me, walk around the back. Now, why in the hell am I at this man's house in the nighttime? And they're in the saying, walk around the back. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why, because men are stupid. And so this is how this goes. I call him from a restaurant and he and I are talking left and right. We're just talking, talking, talking for a long time. He says, I'm going to call you back. I mean, we've probably been on the phone for like a couple hours talking. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to take a bath and I'll call you back. Well, he's probably drowned by now. He hasn't called. It's been like two hours. Like what is going on? Where are you? And I called, he wouldn't answer, he wouldn't answer. So a part of me was like, did he drown or did somebody come over there? I think I'll drive over his house. So I drove over there and the front of his house was dark. And then I said, okay, maybe he's asleep. And then somebody said, no, girl, park the car and get out. And I got out and I walked around the back of his house and I saw the lights on in the back. And he had blinds. And you know how the blinds could be kind of open a little bit. And I peeked through the blind and I saw him sitting at the bar with a girl. And did you set the house on fire? I knocked on the door. I said, oh, hello, somebody's in there. And, and they went like, Shh. <laughs> quiet, everyone. And I was like, okay, okay, you're not going to open the door? He would not open the door. I went home, and no lie, maybe about an hour or two later, I got a call from a number I didn't know. I said, hello. And this woman said, are you and Greg still together? And me being the bad nene that I could be, I said, yes, we are still married. No, <laughs> no, we are divorced, girl. I was like, yes, we are still married. And she was like, oh, my God. And I was like, girl, get off my line. And that was that. I was like, Greg, you better come back home now. 
the do same you, way. Do you think you can sustain a friendship or a relationship on reality TV? A healthy relationship? You guys have to be very, very strong. What about friendships? Can you have a really strong friendship? No, no way, right? No way. I, I agree. Like it's. I don't believe that you can. I don't care how strong you are in your friendship. The weakest link is the one they're going to get. Because I always say they can't get me. Well, but the weakest link, they will. It's also that, oh, they'll always get the weakest link. But also that many times it feels really strong because, like mm-hmm. I said, you're in battle together. And you feel it. Yeah. And all you talk, you notice you have friends on the show. All you talk yeah. about is the show. Yeah. Next time we're going to do the show. That yeah. scene we just did. Yeah. That scene we're going to do. The press came out. Yeah. The reunion. It's all you talk about. You know the thing with me and my friendship, like I can give you an example, like for Marlo, for example. She's still a friend? We're still friends. Oh, okay. I mean, we're, you know. We're friends, but the friendship is different now that she is a housewife on the show. While she's on and you're off. Yeah, and I'm off. Oh, yeah. So it seems like, you know, kind of like you were not friends. She doesn't really want to talk to you about anything that's right. going on because the producers are telling her and not to tell you anything. Like, and not to, you know, be so, friendly with me. So there's like a big but, elephant in the room with half the things she's yes, talking about. Yes, but I have to say, when we were on the show together, she we were friends. And she knew that she wasn't my a puppet or whatever it is. And they would say things like, you know, you're like, you're kissing Nene's ass and da 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 And, and, and she knew that wasn't happening, but somehow they got no, into well, her they- head and she was like, everybody thinks that I'm like kissing your ass and I'm not kissing your, and so she wanted to be like her own, yeah, but because person the, or something, the, the, the her own whatever. I don't know. The she audience wanted to doesn't understand that, it's designed for drama. Yeah, it so is. So, like, if something's designed mm-hmm. for drama yeah. and you put a bunch of people together in a very stressful situation, alcohol always sounds yeah. like a great idea. You, you ever, yeah. like, how thirsty would you be? Like, you're thirsty yeah. and you're drinking alcohol. Yeah. It seems like a great idea. Yeah. You get wasted. You say something stupid. Yeah. You say something else stupid. You can't stop down. You're in your head about it. Yeah. You know six months from now you're going to yeah. live it. Yeah. And it's just, it's a perpetual state yeah. of stress. You get home, you get back in the car from a scene, you mm-hmm. talk to a producer who tells you whatever you want to hear, but you're hearing the opposite thing from the other person because they're yeah. being told whatever they want to hear by yes. a producer. And you do it all over again for the name of fame and money, which is why people are on antidepressants yes. and anti-anxiety. Well, I think also they're being, it just depends on, they're, all, they're definitely being told, like if you have a friend on this show, like you need to get out of her ass and go do some, be friends with this person. They kind of, I don't know. There's just no way possible to have a friendship and be on these shows. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's a it's whiteboard not, in an office. Yes, have you seen no, the whiteboards? There's yes, a whiteboard yes, in an office yes, that says this yes, one should go with this one, and yes, then they got to go talk about that. Yes, and you're in the car, and they're reminding yes, you, make sure you tell Nene yes, you don't want to yes, invite her to your party. Yes, and then you get out, and you have your marching yes, orders. But they've told Nene, make sure you tell Bethany she slept yes, with a younger man. And everybody's got their and then the and man. then you come out, and we're yes, battling, and yes, and and you're paranoid, and it's a state yes, of. It's a state of anxiety. Yeah. You're constantly, you're constantly battling. Yeah. You got to be winning or you got to be killing or you're getting yeah. killed. It's what's I, going on. And to be honest with you, I don't even think it has to be that way. No, I, I, don't, I don't. really think that it probably would be better if everybody just kind of just went. Kind of, I mean, you may need a little direction, but I don't feel like they have to do that. Well, maybe a little direction. It's a whole, it's just a. It's a different animal now because it's also competitive. It is. It is. So I That's think true. that the di- I think that the arc in the entire franchise. And by the way, I explained that mm-hmm. the franchise is like a Dunkin' Donuts franchise. Each store is managed differently. So Atlanta yes. has a different management team, and that franchise could yes. be nice and perfect, yes. and New York could be sloppy and dirty. Yes. Like 
everybody thinks it's like one group just producing yes. it. It's not. It's different yes. little production companies that yes. are producing, and that's a different franchisee. So I say that they're all different, but there are yeah. many similarities, and many of the producers go from one to the other. They're like they a traveling circus that yes, go and move around. Yes. Um, and their job is... And the thing is, I talk about this, and we're about to get into the reality reckoning, but then mm -hmm. it's the upside down because what's celebrated on reality TV, if you tell someone to go fuck themselves and yeah. you out them and you say something and it's really explosive and it's going to change the season, you get rewarded mm -hmm. in every other area of your life and what we're teaching our kids to do in any other world, mm -hmm. that would not be okay. So yeah. if Jane drinks 12 margaritas and she's an alcoholic and she went mm -hmm. off the wagon, mm -hmm. the cameras come flying in and the producers are high-fiving <laughs> because Jane fucking went off the wagon, which is all yeah. they've been waiting for her to do anyway. Yeah. So when people say no one ever forced anyone to drink alcohol, that's true. But yes. by having it everywhere and by people being sleep-deprived and stressed right. and it, be, yeah. you know, it being celebrated, it's an environment yeah. prone to... Drinking, screaming, shouting, yeah. stressing, sleep deprivation. Yeah, yeah. I've never been um, told to drink alcohol. Um, I personally like alcohol, <laughs> <laughs> so they don't have to tell me. <laughs> I'm just kind of thank you. Oh, we got drinks, but don't tonight? you feel like you drank more doing it? Because I do. Um, probably, probably. You know, I mean, I learned because you know you learn. You know, as time goes, I, I've definitely been drunk on camera before, but. Um, you do learn as time go on. Like I was like, we're doing a scene today. Okay, so I need to be very conscious, honey. I will not have a drink. I will have the drink. I'll sip out of it. I need to be very conscious. So you learn, you know, as you stay on the show, you learn how to do it. Uh, some people don't. Um, some people need a drink to, to take the air. Yeah, out. no, that's fair. I, and yeah. I often did. I, I thought it was a good idea. Yeah. You and I are both... You know, we we were we played the game very, mm -hmm. very well. And mm -hmm. we watch just like two athletes watching each other's team play. I'm sure yeah. you've watched me play. Yeah. I'm sure I've you know, I definitely watched you play. And in yeah. watching you play, I sometimes saw you at reunions double down on being frustrated or furious and not like like I said what I said. Like right. you always stuck stuck to it, but sometimes in a way that I, I thought was like imploding uh, like it was doing damage to yourself like you could mm -hmm. just sort of hear what people were saying absorb it go a little calmer a little mm -hmm. gentler and instead I always watched you double and triple down and I thought mm -hmm. you're gonna make more trouble for yourself you're gonna make mm -hmm. more like you're gonna add gasoline to the fire and I want to mm -hmm. talk about that like your style to me was like mm -hmm. fuck you and fuck all of you and I don't give a fuck what you say and that's <laughs> what happened and that's it and it would be like no receiving of what anyone was saying. That's what I saw sometimes. I feel like, you know, I am the kind of person, for me, I keep it real. And it is what it is. And I'm not really the kind of person who backpedals. Now, I do understand that there's times when you need to apologize for things. Mm -hmm. uh, because I may see it one way, you may not see it that way. And I need to respect how you feel. So I do get that part. Um, but I am the kind of girl who keeps it real. Now, now, I'm a different kind of girl, okay? Now. Now. Now, I used to be the kind of girl that keeps it 100, but now I keep it about 75. Because you're playing the game a little. Because gotcha. you're a little afraid. Right. Gotcha. And I, you know what's And funny? I don't think everybody wants 100. That's so interesting. Because it's funny that you say mm -hmm. that, and we're going to get into mm -hmm. the closet and all that stuff, because mm -hmm. it's funny that you say that by the same token, when watching, there's mm -hmm. a respect that I have for it. 
mm-hmm. in the way that you did keep it 100 because mm-hmm. you're like, and we said it. Can we move on, motherfucker? Right. Like, there's something <laughs> about that that I like, you know, because I there's something yes. about me because the thing is about society mm-hmm. today, everybody fucking wants you to be totally real, but they don't mm-hmm. really. Because if you no, really no. say what you think, if I say I that I thought that Taylor Swift was over the top a little with the guy at the Kansas City Chiefs game, which I did, Everybody says I'm bashing. I'm not bashing. I'm just saying a feeling that I had yeah. in my body, but and you're not you allowed to express. Opinion. You're not yes. allowed to have an opinion. You know, again, you have to keep it about 75. Interesting. That's a great line. That's a great. By the way, you so, should like yes. coin that. Keep, I'm keeping it 75. I think that you keep about 75. Now, Fucking. I think keeping it 100, you can keep it 100 with your very close circle. Keeping it 75, it's brilliant. It's, it's, it's so, it. and, it, but, and it's a little sad. It is. It's a little sad because it's but not. But it's okay though. No, because I'm gonna give you a little bit real, and then I'm gonna hold the rest back. That's a. Li- are you keep? Are you keeping it a hundred today or seventy five? No, I'm keeping it about eighty two. Well, hopefully we're gonna get. <laughs> we got, we're gonna raise the fucking grade because I'm not doing eight. I'm not. I didn't get no. I didn't get no, no, no B minus. No, no, no. no I'll keep it a hundred. But yeah, honestly, keep it hundred. You know, this is serious. A lot of times people say they want to hear the truth but honestly That's they what I'm do saying. not no you by the way i they do I, not. I agree i agree because with when you. you walk out they're like that was harsh or she was mean or no, that no, was no. too they in beat, your face you just weigh in on this yes. i want to hear what you think of it you yeah. weigh in then you get canceled no yeah. i know it's it's so really so now you just like you know i got to kind of so this is how you do it if you talk about taylor and the, uh, the the guy i don't know um a little over the top, you say. Okay, for the game. Um, she looked beautiful. This is keeping it about seven. You gotta massage it and wrap yeah, it in frosting. It, yeah, no, I know. I gotta fucking wrap go. it in frosting and diapers. Go. I know. I, I'm keeping it yeah. 93. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm keeping it 93. I maybe haven't been through the same war you've been through. I love it. I'm keeping it 93. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Yeah. Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated, we're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Raquel Willis. Join me on my new podcast, Queer Chronicles, a show where LGBTQ plus folks tell their own stories in their own words. This season, teens will share all about growing up in political battleground states. We will always exist, and we will definitely not let them take away our joy, no matter how hard they try. Listen to Queer Chronicles on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your most fabulous shows. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it! That's really it! And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) As a high school student. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like (laughs) Change.Dork. Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.